Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 10th of October. This is your host, Colton Gibson, and today I'm joined by my producer, Justin Brown, and co-host, Ryan Liguez. We have so much to cover this morning after a jam-packed weekend of sports action, but before we get started, let's throw it to Ryan for a quick word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Thank you very much, Ryan. We're going to go ahead and get started with two Bobcat teams that have been taking care of business in the Sunbelt Conference so far. And of course, we are talking about the soccer and volleyball teams here at Texas State. The Bobcats soccer team now has a record of 10-2-2 with a 4-1-1 record in the Sunbelt after a 2-1 win versus the Louisiana Raging Cajuns on Sunday in Lafayette. And this was an, a great bounce back after their loss against JMU. They're only the second loss of the season, but a great bounce back nonetheless, which included a Matty Goss fourth penalty kick goal of the season. And Olivia Wright put them on top 2-1 with only 50 seconds left in the game. So great, great awareness by both of those players to get the goals and a great job to take the lead late and get the win. Yes, 100%. I think Steve Holman, you know, when it comes to this team, he doesn't want his girls to ever give up on the play, right? And, and in, in this game, this is a perfect example of that. We saw in the final 50 seconds of the game, Olivia Wright gets that goal, you know, right in the net to give the Bobcats this win. And that's Steve Holman telling them, hey, we do not need to give up at this game. We do not need to become complacent with the tied score or ease up on defense or on offense. And with Matty Goss getting that penalty kick in the beginning of the game, that just top, that starts a new program record for the most penalty kicks in a season right now with four made penalty kicks for Maddie Goss and Maddie Goss like as we mentioned she's a sophomore from Garland Texas I mean this is a younger player for this team and she's providing so much for them and then Caitlin Crispin in the goal I mean this is just a huge win and it continues conference play like like usual yeah and I mean as we've been saying this whole season for the soccer team their theme or what it seems like to be the theme is resilience they always find a way to keep fighting. They don't play just for the timing. One one with fifty seconds left in the game. Like, all right, you can just throw it away. Yeah, we'll get a tie. Whatever. Our third tie of the year. No. Or, 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 sorry. Olivia Wright kept going. She kept pushing. She got through the defenders. She beat the goalie. That goalie, man. Oh, she must have felt so bad. She was on an island over there and she just zoomed it right past her to get that goal. That must have felt amazing. I can't imagine what that felt like. Yeah, so the Bobcats. Uh, soccer schedule is starting to wrap up with only a few games left before they get into the Sunbelt tournament. Uh, but their next game will be in Troy, Alabama against the Troy Trojans this Sunday, October 16th at 1 p.m. And you can watch that game on ESPN Plus. But now to the other dominating Sunbelt team, the Texas State volleyball team this past weekend on Friday and Saturday, also in Lafayette. They had two 3-0 sweeps over the Ragin' Cajuns to bring their overall record to 13-5, 5-1 in the Sun Belt. And this was just a dominating weekend for the Bobcats. And in these two games, we saw Emily DeWalt post another crazy amount of assists that allowed her to move into the top spot on the Texas State all-time career assist leaderboard. And now she just sits 164 away from Leslie Clark, 
who played in Middle Tennessee from 2006 to 2009. She is 164 behind her for the all-time Sunbelt career assist mark. What an accomplishment for Emily DeWalt. Yeah, Emily DeWalt steps up and plays big against the team. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns, like as you mentioned, this wasn't expected to be an, a you know a sweep or an easy matchup at all for the volleyball team. If you look at you know this Raging Cajun team, they were coming off of out of the last seven sets they played. I'm sorry about that. After the last 12 sets they played, they lo- they won 11 of the past 12 sets they played. So the Raging Cajuns have a huge volleyball program, and it's a program that we've seen in years prior. So Sean Hewitt is familiar with this team. We've seen them year and year, again and again, the Raging Cajuns, and it just it's huge for Emily DeWalt to continue with what she's doing. I mean, she's only a few assists away from having the number one spot in Sunbelt Conference with the most assists for a collegiate player. So, you know, Sunbelt Player of the Week, she wins it over and over again. She's 22 Setters of the Year award. So, I mean, Emily DeWalt, she should be sponsored by DeWalt Power Tools for how much of an impact she's making on this team. But yeah, I don't know if I have to drill that message through to you. Oh no, that's a terrible <laughs> Oh my gosh. Are you sure not a dad with that kind of dad pun? <laughs> but going, you know, with Emily DeWalt, I mean, she got 44 assists in the Saturday game. And as you said, it was how many assists to get to the... She's now 164 assists away. 164. There are five more two-game series left in the season. If she can do 44 assists in one game, gosh, she'll probably beat the record by 500 or something like that. I mean, she's on pace to to really kill the record. So with five se- five more series left in the season, I think it'll be an easy accomplishment for her. Yeah, I completely agree. Because if you look at these past few games that she had, especially against that series against JMU, you're seeing her drop at like 62 assists in a game. Um, that is a, an astronomical number. And if you look at any of these matchups for people that don't watch volleyball often, you look at the box scores, the second place in assists in every game is at least like 23 assists from some other setter on the other team. So for Emily DeWalt to get 60 assists like this a game, um, I think that record's completely in her grasp, especially with five more games left. And if she's averaging almost 50, uh, 40 to 60 assists a game, I mean, come on, that's that's at least another 300 assists by the end of the season. So the Bobcats will head back home to Strahan Arena to take on the Southern Miss Golden Eagles this Friday at 6 p.m. and Saturday at 2 p.m. But the Golden Eagles have a record of 12 and 6 right now and 4 and 2 in the Sun Belt. So they're another very good volleyball team in the Sun Belt Conference. So what do y'all think the Bobcats need to do to to keep this winning going and to really stay strong as their season starts to wrap up? I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing. I think they've finally kind of figure out the lineup that they really like. You know, have these people play like, you know, kind of split the roster a little bit, you know, have these people play on Friday and bring new people in on Saturday. And that's what they did, you know, with Lauren Teske, who we're praising all of last week. You know, she played a little bit on Friday. She had like eight kills, I think. And then Saturday she had 18. So they keep kind of, you know, evening out, giving some players more or less starting time. It'll really help them keep stay fresh and really prolong their success in these two game series i love how you mentioned lauren teske right lauren teske got a double double in her last matchup you know against jmu and here she had 18 kills and she has 11 digs in a game so just a huge double double from lauren teske the red shirt senior for this volleyball team making a huge impact once again so i definitely believe that is necessary if you want to get a win over the southern miss eagles i think so too i think they have found like you said they found their players that they are comfortable playing with and they are going to keep dominating these games. You look at their their games against um, the Raging Cajuns, they didn't drop a set. And in the first game, they didn't uh, allow more than 20 points in any of the three sets. So as long as they keep doing what they're doing, I don't know that anybody can really contend with them. But like I said, they will be at Strahan Arena Friday at 6 and Saturday at 2. 
to take on the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. But we're going to take a quick break. But on the other side of it, we'll talk about football and a little bit of October baseball. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio. In the studio with me, I have my producer, Justin Brown, and co-host, Ryan Liguez. And this is your host, Colton Gibson. As I said before the break, we are diving right into football from this past weekend, which always begins with the San Marcos High School Rattlers. This past Friday, the San Marcos Rattlers defeated the Clemens Buffaloes by a score of 28-24. to Me and our, our buddy Paxton Graff were on the call for this game, and it was a great game to watch. One thing we've talked about the Rattlers all season has been their ability to close out games and really play a full four quarters of football, and they really did that in this game. None of the mistakes that they've made throughout the season really caught up to them in this game. The penalties did a little bit at the end, but overall a great all-around win for the Rattlers. Yeah, the Rattlers get off with this win 28 to 24 against the Clemens uh, Clemens Buffaloes and you know, we look at that last game with Eagle Pass Eagles. It was a game at home for the uh, for the Rattlers and it Honestly, that was a team that we were expecting a blowout from, and the Rattlers really put up a fight on defense. And if you look into this next match, that is exactly what they did. They etched this win, and they get to a 3-3 three and three on the season so far, and that's through this really good offense, I think, and especially without the penalties being a part of the program anymore. You got Isaiah DeLeon doing his thing. Um, you have the defense playing their games. You have penalties not becoming an issue like they were that first matchup against the Hutto Hippos. So honestly, I think this Rattler team is finally getting in that groove, that groove, you know, that when you finally get your you know the, the hang of things right I feel like this team would you know coach coach John Walsh for this team I mean it's just there, there's some exciting things with this Rattler football team and with this win against the Clemens Buffaloes I mean their 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 playoff aspirations are still there yeah and I mean they keep and like we've been saying like they just keep playing clean good football they're gonna get wins you know they know who what their assignments are yeah and that's what I mean you could see I mean they shut out Clemens in the fourth quarter I mean it was a close game 28-24 so to shut him out in the fourth quarter to keep that lead and get the win I mean you can't ask for a better game and I mean Isaiah DeLeon played good I mean he had 184 yards two touchdowns through a pick but that's fine but you know in the rushing game too they were really good I mean Jaden Brown 116 yards he got a touchdown and then Isaiah DeLeon added 74 yards on on the ground so like you're saying they're getting in that groove you know they're getting the run game going and then Isaiah DeLeon knows that hey you know if I can't pass it right now I'm not gonna make a mistake just chuck it get interception I can run out of the pocket so getting that awareness going and you know building that confidence will really help uh shoot this offense into a different area (laughs) yeah what better time to get ready and get in the groove of things with offense and defense because this was their first district game um so now the rattlers are one and oh in district and if you look at their next matchups i mean those are all district play against teams like steel judson new bronzeville's and east central high so definitely some new teams some new district teams that this rattler team has never faced before we got to remember last year they were in a different division so this gives the rattlers a whole new opportunity with a different district matchups and it could give them really some some fortunate success because without Westlake without Lake Travis holding down the Rattlers from ever getting in the playoffs now they have that freedom yeah me and Paxton were joking about this uh, when we were calling the game but in the first quarter we were talking about how Jaden Brown just kind of was slow and didn't really have any explosiveness in him like he normally did and then the second quarter we were like you know maybe he hurt us because the second quarter through the end of the game Jaden Brown dominated this game had three touchdowns including the game winner on that last one he just dove into the end zone he kind of looked like Superman it was it was a great game for him a great breakout game and they're going to need it in their next game as they will be at Toyota Rather Stadium on Friday October 14th at 7 30 when they take on the Cibolo Steel Knights who are undefeated 
So it's going to be a much tougher matchup, but hopefully this last game will kind of propel the Rattlers into that game with a little bit of momentum. And we also hope that's happening for the Texas State Bobcats football team, who is now back to 500 after a kind of surprising win, 36-24 to versus the App State Mountaineers on this past Saturday at Bobcat Stadium. What a game, you know. People are saying we won AM, we won Bama, all this other stuff. App State, of course, started the whole Sunbelt Fun Belt thing this year by defeating Texas AM, and now we beat App State. So what what do you think's next for the Bobcats? You know, I just I think going into this next game against Troy, it's getting I mean, this win obviously is gonna propel them and the momentum, their mindset. They like, okay, we can beat if we beat App State, maybe we have a good chance against Troy. And they just gotta play the way they did. I mean, defense came out. Offense came out. Everything was just going. I mean, even special teams. I mean, Keller and O'Kelly just killed it this game. I mean, they just played good football. And I think that's all they got to do against Troy if they, you know, want to compete and have a good shot. I think the Bobcat football team must have heard our Bobcat radio. I could have sworn that last week every member of KTSW Sports would have told you that this game was looking tough. The Bobcats in their history in Tap State never won a game since 2004. This is the first time in 18 years the Bobcats have ever beat App State. And who can you not? I mean, there's so many different things you can credit for this. Like, as you mentioned, special teams even steps up, right? Everybody stepped up. You see Lane Hatcher in this game against App State. I mean, He's given you 281 yards and he's only missing 10 throws. Um, and, you know, that's two touchdowns as well and one long 42 yard pass as well. So, I mean, it's just Lane Hatcher in this offense has definitely stepped up. You even see Ashton Hawkins. He gives you 104 yards over six catches himself and a touchdown. And then, not to mention, uh, you know, the biggest play of the entire game may have just been a humongous interception, which was given to you by no other than Tory Spears with a 94-yard interception. So, I mean, it was insane. There was so much energy in the stands. Ryan, you were talking about the energy and the, the fans. Well, you didn't get to go to the game, unfortunately, but you were hearing about it like Colton was talking about. Yeah, I was at the game, and it just got so loud with the pick six. I'll mention that the attendance for this game was 25,613 people were at this game, which is the seventh largest crowd in Bobcat Stadium history and the largest ever in a Sunbelt Conference game. You know, normally these large crowds come whenever a big time team like Baylor or somebody else comes to San Marcos to play the Bobcats. And this was a game that mattered, a Sunbelt game where the fans really showed out. It was parents weekend. It was blackout. And everybody got really excited about this game. And the Bobcats have shown now that when they have the fans behind them, they play well and they give the fans something to watch. Yeah, I mean, this game, I mean, this win was not just big for the team. It was big for the fans, big for the program, big for the school. I mean, this meant a lot to everybody. I mean, Twitter was just going crazy. And I mean, like, as you said, I wasn't there. I was tearing up. I was at Austin City Limits. And I was, I would have rather been to this game than at ACL. I mean, I've, I mean, I've been here for four years and I've seen us win, you know, I've been, I've been to some games that we've won, but I've never seen us win a game like this. This is a game that Spav and the team have been searching for for four years. I mean, to get a win over a big team like this, it's it's been a long time coming. They almost had one against Boston College a couple years ago. Didn't get it. We slipped up in the end. You know, Baylor last year, we were looking good for the first half, and then second half, we kind of lost it. But this was a game that has been a long time coming, and they finally got it. Yeah, I think this is just was a game of everyone playing their best 
best brand of football. And the reason why is this. If you look at other games like their win against HCU, which was a huge blowout win, one of the first Bobcat blowout wins in years, you could have told you could look at that box score and you could look at the stats and you could tell, well, obviously HCU just wasn't prepared for this matchup. But App State was prepared. This is a team that beat Texas AM. This is a team that got a huge Hail Mary pass against Troy on college game day to win a game last second. This team has potential. They have a great running back that did not play in this game. So that may have made a huge impact on it. But if you look about the just the different records that have been just been brought up recently, Texas State. They haven't had a three at home, three and oh start at home since 2011. Okay, so we're already seeing a way better home performance than we've seen from the Bobcats in my entire collegiate career and y'all's as well. So just a huge win, just a great win, and they need to continue this, especially against teams like Troy. Troy is a team they've faced before, a team they have never beat. This was App State, another team, a team they didn't beat. They lost six times in a row to this team. So now they got to face Troy and they got to try and break that streak. Speaking of Troy, that will be the next opponent when the Bobcats travel to Troy, Alabama to take on the four and two Troy Trojans on Saturday, October 15th at 2.30 p.m. And you can either watch that game on ESPN Plus or listen to it right here on KTSW 89.9. But now we zoom out of the local sports and kind of get into some national sports. NFL Week 5 will be wrapping up tonight with the Raiders and the Chiefs at 7.15 p.m. But something about week five, it just shows that this is the year of the backup quarterback. You look at Cooper Rush is making history every week. Five wins now for him to start his career. Yeah, Bailey Zappi, who's came in for the uh, the Patriots, and they shut out the Lions. So he steps up for both Brian Hoyer and Mac Jones. And then with the Saints, Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill both showing out you know Taysom Hill's kind of a quarterback a running back a tight end a wide receiver whatever he wants to play that day but this is the year of the backup quarterback and they are showing out and you know a lot of these guys I imagine are going to be starting quarterbacks somewhere maybe even next season yeah that's what's uh good about this whole season I mean it's gonna completely rearrange the starting quarterbacks next season so like you know they're backups now but next year man I don't even think uh Maybe Kyler Murray won't have a job or something. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, but uh, what do you call it? No, this has been a very interesting season in terms of, you know, starting quarterbacks coming out. And I mean, these starting quarterbacks, I mean, these backup quarterbacks have really been uh, helped out by their defense. I mean, look at Cooper Rush. He only had 100 and something passing yards yesterday and a touchdown, I think. But I mean, that, that Cowboys defense completely sealed the deal for him. I mean, like what's good for these quarterbacks is that they don't need to score touchdowns to win these games now since the defense and all the rest of the team is kind of holding out. They can win field goals. That happened with Cooper Rush. And, you know, I mean, they, I mean, for, with Frank Zappi, I mean, the Patriots defense completely shut out Jared Goff. So, I mean, they're getting, they're getting their help. You know, they're getting their help this season. But next season, I think they can do it all on their own. Well, I just want to talk about the Cowboys, okay? I just want to talk about Cooper Rush, okay? Because he is the, truthfully the backup quarterback of the league right now. You're telling me that a backup quarterback is breaking Dallas Cowboys records that have never been broken before. He has won his first five starts as a quarterback. No other Dallas Cowboy quarterback has ever done that. So Tony Romo fans that have a jersey on right now, guess what? Cooper Rush might be the jersey you need, that you need to purchase um, because this man's doing great. He only throws 102 yards but still gets the 
the W over the Rams. And the Rams, if no one knows this, if you were under a rock, the Rams won the Super Bowl last year. So this is a team with Matt Stafford, Cam Akers, Cooper Cup, players that can make a huge impact. And what did Cooper Rush and this Dallas defense do? They showed up and they played amazing. And um, there's really not even much to say. We can't even really talk about it because it was just such a clean cut and dry game. Tony Pollard, Pollard, sorry about that, had 86 rushing yards. And then Ezekiel Elliott came back suddenly as a Cowboys player and dropped 78 rushing yards off of 22 attempts. So yeah, no, I just think this Cowboys W is huge. Yeah, Mac Jones. I mean, you know, we've seen what Zappy did. Zapp's great. He's doing great things, but that's the Lions, guys. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll keep that cutting short and dry. Cooper Rush is doing amazing things. I don't even know if Dak needs to come back. Well, Dak could come back as early as next week. They take on the Eagles. They're the only undefeated team left. So we'll see if it's Dak or Cooper Rush. But like I said, Week five will wrap up tonight. Monday night football between the Raiders and the Chiefs at 7.15 p.m. Oh, and Matt Rule. Yeah, Matt Rule got fired today just before we came on the air. So the Panthers looking for a quarterback and a new head coach, I guess. But now no more football. We get into my favorite sport. October baseball is here. The MLB playoffs have started. The wildcard series are over. All the teams that lost have gone home, and the teams that won are sticking around for the divisional series. So what we're going to do for this is I'm going to bring up each series, and we're going to go around and kind of predict who we think is going to take each of these series. And first, we'll start with the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Phillies taking on the Atlanta Braves. Oh, I'm going to say I think Bryce Harper and the guys can pull this one out. I mean, Atlanta, they're good. I mean, they're really good. I mean, Juan Soto isn't there, but they're still ranked, you know, they're still number two seed. So, but again, I'm always vying for the upset. I want the underdog to go. So for me, I think the Phillies are going to be are going to be able to pull this one out just a little bit. As much as I'd like to go for the Phillies in this situation, I know what the Braves are capable of. They broke the hearts of the Strohs, you know, just last year and. These Braves are good. I mean, they only have five more losses than the Astros because, you know, Astros are better. Um, but, you know, it, it's definitely going to be a tough game. I think the Phillies have shown up this year. Colton, you got to see the Phillies in person when they played against the Strohs towards the end of the year. So, I, I you know, I think the Braves are going to get it. I'm sorry, guys. It's just going to it's just it's just the truth. You know, I'd also really like to see the Phillies win. They have a really exciting team. They have a lot of young pieces, including you know, the young pieces in addition to their top players that they have, you know, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schorber, a really pretty good pitching staff, but Atlanta is just better. They have better pitching. They have guys that you've never even heard of that are just really good. They, you know, they re-signed Spencer Strider, who's their rookie pitcher to a long extension today. They just have a really good all-around team, and I think they're probably better, so I think they'll probably beat the Phillies, but I'm hoping for a Phillies upset. And next, we'll go to the American League for the Cleveland Guardians against the most hated New York Yankees. Who would have thought that a team that just changed their name was going to be the number three seed? I'm also, I guess, since I am an Astros fan, I'm also vying for the Guardians to beat the Yankees because who likes the Yankees, man? But, you know, this one's going to be a little closer to, for me, I think. I mean, Aaron Judge, who scored, what, 62? Was it 62 home runs yeah. in a season? I mean... They're, he's a juggernaut. That team is a juggernaut. So it's going to be hard to take them down. But this is another game that I think – actually, I'm going to go back on what I said. Actually, I think Yankees might take this one now that I'm thinking about it. I think they're too built. Here's the thing. The Yankees are Astros enemy number one. And do I want to see them go that far? No. Do I want to see an upset? Yes. And I think this team can do it. I think the Guardians are young. They're really young. No one is expecting them to be here. They are playing – 
with nothing to lose here. They're super young. They have careers that are very, I mean, they're just starting. So for them to be at this place where they are, especially after the team has gone through a huge rebuild and, a, you know, a huge remodeling, um, it, it's huge for the Guardians. So I'm definitely going to go for the Guardians in this situation. I like to see them here in the spot. No one expected. Did you expect the Guardians to get here? No, I didn't. So, you know, that's what I thought. So I would love to see the Guardians <laughs> show up against the Yankees and really, you know, at least take one game away from the Yankees. I think this is probably the closest series out of all of the, the series that are going on. And ironically, it's the only one that's not between division opponents. But the Guardians are coming off of a really good series against the Rays. They had really good pitching performance. And the Yankees kind of stalled out towards the end of the season there. You know, they couldn't reach 100 wins. They stalled out right at 99 and after they had a really good start to their season, they kind of slowed down towards the end. And also, you have to deal with playoff Garrett Cole, which as a Stroh's <laughs> fan, I know how that works out. And I just think that this is going to be a really close series. I'd like to see the Guardians come out on top, but I really I really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the other National League series is going to be the San Diego Padres, who just had an absolute duel with the Mets. They take on the best team in Major League Baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's the Battle of California, man. But it's uh, it's so tough to see the Mets not continue on. But, you know, I think the Padres, they're going to put up a good fight. But like you said, Dodgers are the number one team in, in the MLB right now. So I think it's going to be close. But I think the Dodgers are going to just pull it out. Here's what I'm going to say. Just like I went for the Guardians against the Yankees, who do you think I'm going for in this situation? The Padres, obviously, because they're <laughs> playing against no other team than the L.A. Dodgers. And if you know about the Dodgers, you already know what I'm going to say about them and what they've done to the Astros. So here's what I'm going to say. The Padres, they got Juan Soto, okay? They re recently got him, you know, this year, and he's doing great things for this team. The Padres just came out of a series against the uh, the Mets, and, I mean, a wild card series against the Mets, and they played great. And, they, and I saw some great performance from them yesterday when they were closing out that series against the Mets. So, yeah, I think, honestly, the Padres are playing with some momentum. They have nothing to lose, just like the Guardians do. Um, they don't have anything to lose. They're here to try and battle with the beast of the MLB. This is the biggest guy. This is the most wins in the entire league, 111 wins and 51 losses for the L.A. Dodgers. And the Dodgers are stacked. They're like the super team of the MLB. They're the Golden State Warriors of the MLB. And um, that's really what they are. So I think... You know, the Padres are just going to have to battle with Juan Soto. Hopefully he can do some things for this team, and it'll be interesting to see. When I was looking at this series, I went back to the regular season series between these teams, and the Dodgers were 14-5 and five against the Padres this season. So I honestly just think the Dodgers probably have the Padres number. I'd like to see the Padres win, but the Dodgers are too good. And then the final series for the divisional series, just go ahead and tell me why the Astros are going to beat the Mariners. You know, sorry, Mariners fans. I mean, y'all, hey, y'all made the playoffs. Y'all, y'all broke the streak. Congratulations. But I mean, this pitching staff is just way better, even compared to last season. I mean, Verlander. I mean, Verlander was still rehabbing last season. We have Verlander. We got Ryan Presley. We got Montero. We got Valdez. We got. Oh man, I'm already forgetting all the names. But we have got a pitching crew better than we've seen in a while. And I mean, our bats are. I mean, their bats are just hot, hot. So I think it's gonna be an easy one. But, you know, hopefully this can just propel them to go up against, let's see, probably who's going to, who, who do we predict was going to win? Was it going to be the uh, Yankees? Oh, they're probably going to. It'll see, be the Yankees. Yeah, yeah we'll see if they can project it, uh, pre, uh, launch them to get into that series against the Yankees. Here's what I'm saying. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. The Astros have Justin Verlander. He's doing amazing, better than his entire season last year, and that's after a surgery. So Justin Verlander's doing great things. And with that guy on the mound, I mean, 
good luck. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Seattle, they don't have the experience. They haven't been put in this situation recently. The Astros have been here. I don't know how many seasons in a row now. I feel like since the past five years. So I think Astros got this easy. I fully agree with both of you. So you all know where we stand with this Astros series, but now it's time for everyone's favorite segment where we kick it over to Justin for a little weather update. Yes, I'm here with my trusty, dusty weather service here. And guess what? Today, your high is only going to be 90, and I'm talking 90 flat, and your low is going to be 62. And expect that for the next following days. Tuesday, a high of 91, a low of 67. Wednesday, a high of 95, low of 67. And Thursday, it's going to be 94 at the low of 61. So if you're out there walking your dog in the morning, maybe bring a jacket. But hey, you're ready to hear about rain, the one thing that somehow we get incorrect. But look, I'm looking at the radar. It's a 0% chance today. 8% tomorrow and 12% Wednesday. And that's going to be your highest chance of rain until Sunday when it's going to be 24%. So yeah, bring a poncho just in case. But yeah, that was your trusty dusty weather service from Justin. Yeah, as always, since Justin said there's no rain, bring a rain jacket and an umbrella. But that's all of our time for today. So make sure to keep up with everything Texas State and San Marcos related by following us at KTSW Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For Justin Brown and Ryan Liguez, I'm Colton Gibson. Thank you for listening to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio. Have a great rest of your day, and we hope you tune back in at the same time on Wednesday. Now let's get you back to the other side of radio.